Welcome to the Jump Around with Blake Dudonis, my podcast on women's basketball. Joining me today, it's going to be Penn head coach Mike McLaughlin, a guy who has so much success I don't think most of us realize. Yes, he's the answer to the trivia question, who's the fastest coach in NCAA history to 400 wins? That was him. It only took him 459 games. He was at Holy Family, a D2 in Philly, was there for 14 years, won Coach of the Year 13 times, was unbelievable, and then takes over a Penn program that had really been struggling, has taken them to three Ivy League championships, and as we know, the Ivy League is one of the best, if not the best, mid-major conference in the country, so he's done a phenomenal job. I'm looking forward to talking to him about that buildup and talk to him a little bit about his playing years. He was a phenomenal three-point shooter in college. He played on the Washington Generals. Uh, who was the opponent of the Harlem Globetrotters for three years. So I'm really looking forward to talking to him about all this stuff. So we'll get him on the phone right now. We'll be right back. This is The Jump Around. And we are back on the jump around and joining me, uh, it is Penn head coach Mike McLaughlin, our second Ivy League guest to ever appear on the pod. And coach, I appreciate you taking some time. Uh, we were talking off the air with your kids in finals and everything. I know it's uh, that's always a precarious time of the year, but I certainly appreciate you taking some time before you guys play again on Friday. Absolutely. My pleasure to join you. Keep up the great work. And uh, I'm excited to have a good conversation with you. Well, I appreciate that. I, I want to start uh, way back uh, in your playing days. A 57% three-point shooter uh, in your college days at Holy Family. Uh, wow, that's not bad. Not bad, Coach. Where uh, Can you tell me a little bit about even leading up to college, a little bit about your upbringing and, and you know how you got into the game and how you got uh, so deadly from behind Absolutely. the arc? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, born and raised Philadelphia. You know, I think living in Philadelphia, a ton of players, athletes from all walks of life. Um, always a great, every time you went out on the playground, you had to be, you had to be your best. You know, you're playing against some of the better kids and we're, you know, we're flooded with a lot of NBA players, a lot of great college players with six division one schools in Philadelphia. So the environment was competitive. Yeah, I just invested myself in the game. It was something I was really passionate about. I was coached really well, coming you know, coming up through the ranks. A great high school coach, uh, excellent college coach. Um, you know, and it was something that I just was driven. The, the sport drove me, and uh, worked really hard. And I was pretty uh, fortunate that I was successful in playing the game. And uh, something I, I I put a lot of work and effort in, and I was grateful to all the coaches and mentored me along the way for you from Philly playing Philly coaching Philly like that doesn't happen right like that doesn't happen so how have you been able to just I mean part of it's got to be a little bit of luck right I mean to just stay in one place your whole life yeah I was really really blessed you know I, I played like I said I played Philadelphia high school um you know went to a, a you know a division two school uh, in the Philadelphia area, actually in Philadelphia, um, it was just the best fit for me. Um, you know, had a great career with some great players and coaching, as I mentioned. And you now, where I was really fortunate, I was in the right spot at the right time. You know, I got an opportunity to tour 
uh, with the Harlem Globetrotters for three years. I was part of the Washington Generals. Gave me a chance to play more basketball, travel the world, um, get an unbelievable perspective on on life. And I was 22 to 25, 26 years old at the time. And, um, you know, again, I I was in the right spot at the right time. They saw me play. They gave me an opportunity that I'm grateful forever. It was, it was one of the best experiences of my life. And uh, I started in Philadelphia and then, you know, went away for the three years to play with them. And I've been fortunate to, to coach you know, two schools. I've only been at two schools, and both were Philadelphia. Yeah, um, it, it's interesting because we'll, we'll get into your success. But I mean, you lost five hundred fifty games in a row, Mike. That's uh, that's tough, right? That's uh, I mean, you you are you are literally a professional loser. <laughs> I was pretty good at it. Uh, you know, I I I was twenty two years old. I got an opportunity. Red clots. And uh, God bless Red Cloth, one of the, one of the great men of, of the sport. Um, and he gave me an opportunity. That's in, in Margate, New Jersey, at the time, and he had saw me play in, in college. He invited me down to his house. Um, he said, "You're going to teach you how to be a professional. You know, and professional, you're, you're probably not going to win much because <laughs> I, I, you know, I want you to." to represent our program, represent the Washington Generals, the Harlem Globetrotters, travel the world, and, uh, and you know, have the experience of your lifetime. So he, he, our expectations as a general was that, was to be a professional every day on and off the court, and uh, to be a part of the Globetrotters and travel with them was a lifetime opportunity that I would, I, I look back every time I get a chance to talk with it and glow and yeah. Very fortunate. Well, I, I mean, I know you went all over the world, but was there was there any trip in particular that jumped out to you that you that you really kind of had like a pinch me moment? Like, I can't believe I'm actually here playing basketball. <laughs> you know what? I you know it's went to fifty countries, um, so we, we've had that opportunity. I think you know you always go back and you go back to the first tour I had. Mm. I was graduating college in May, July, um, the first trip to uh we went to moscow um you know with a a group of globe trotters we all met in LaGuardia in new york that day and <laughs> i you know i didn't know anyone on either team at the time i was catching the back end of the tour i had a one tour contract and uh i just remember watching the globe trotters when i was young mm-hmm. i used to watch cartoons of them they were on they were really really big back in the 70s and the 80s and some of the names i knew from you know seeing them on television and my first opportunity to go up and meet them at the airport i was a little intimidated you know i was yeah. I, I i thought i was prepared but uh it was exciting i was nervous um you know and there's always that sense do i belong out here why me you know there's always that doubt because these guys are legends and but once I settled in and traveled to Moscow that day, I'll never forget overlooking Red Square. That was the hotel. Um, traveled 24 hours to get there. And then, you know, once we started playing and I started to adapt and adjust, um, you know, I did well enough on that particular tour that they signed me for a year contract after that. And, um, you know, from that, that point on, I, I've had, I had success and I had opportunities to stay another year and another year. And, it was it was a terrific, terrific. But uh, there were so many places we went to. There were so many different. Um, we met so many people, world beaters. Um, but I think what's really, really cool for me was, you know, and then I 
obviously finished playing. My wife and I got married. We had children and being able to travel the world and the country with my family mm-hmm. and, and taking them back to the same places that I was at their age. Yeah. I think to me is the most powerful thing. I we were recently in um, in Paris and in August we had a uh, foreign tour for, for Penn and um, you know, taking my three kids back to the Eiffel Tower um, oh. and they've seen many pictures of me back as they say back in the day mm-hmm. sitting out in front of the Eiffel Tower and I'll have the same picture with them in it. I think, you know, full circle in yeah. terms of Pretty cool. uh, seeing the world, but now seeing the world a lot better with successful children with you is nothing like it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, when you do finish up your career, you, you get into coaching at Holy Family, and I know you, you talked about it before, you just kind of stumbled into it to where coach said, hey, want to mm-hmm. help? Uh, so for mm-hmm. you, um, one, was there ever any hesitancy as far as, you know, jumping into the women's game. I know you hadn't coached before, so it really, it, it probably wasn't any different. But, uh, and then two, once you took the job, did you realize when you took it how crazy this business is? You know what? It's it's interesting because, um, you know, like I said, I was done playing. I was actually still working out. Uh, the women's coach, Kathy Killian, who's a wonderful lady, was the, the head coach at the time. I knew her because I played there. Um, she had an opening. She asked me if I'd be interested. At the time, my wife and I, my you know, we're girlfriend and boyfriend at the time, and we were getting we got engaged, and I, I no longer wanted to travel. Um, so I helped her out for a year. It wasn't it wasn't something that I set out to coach women. I knew eventually I'd probably coach. Um, you know, something as as I talked about how passionate I was about the sport and what the sport has done for many people around me, and um, you know, I enjoyed it and. Uh, she ends up resigning that, and at the end of that season, the athletic director asked me if I wanted to get involved. I did. She hired me, um, and then you know that's how it started. So I started at a young age. I was 27 and a head coach, uh, no experience other than I played the sport. Uh, she took a chance on me, and uh, you know I learned and grew as I went along. I made my mistakes, um, and uh, you know I was fortunate. I, I I brought in a good group of, of players in my first couple classes there, and we've had we had winning success, and we were able to to carry that on for the fourteen years I was there. Yeah, Mike, I appreciate your humility, I really do. But like, come on, let's let's be serious here. Let's be. You are the fastest coach in NCAA history to four hundred wins. Of those fourteen seasons, you were coach of the year thirteen times. I mean, come on, Mike, you, you never won less than twenty five games, man. You you did a hell of a job. Well, I appreciate that, but you know, I, I I think we did a good job with people. I I still think that is the key to what we do in sport. You know, we are we are you know we are we are in a sport that it's a trust sport. You know, we have to work together. We have to you know respect each other. You know, and I think if you do that as a coach, if you if you have that, you have their trust and you have their respect, you can push. You know, you can get more out of someone. I quickly learned that in coaching. You know, when I first started, um, you know, I I was someone that listened to them as players, you know, and I think we built that relationship and that trust. You are in a relationship business. And, um, you know, some of it I have to tell you, you know, we, we, we had good players, but some of it, things just worked out. Um, mm. You know, and I, I, 
we obviously had success, and success bred more success. Yeah. <laughs> and we yeah. started winning. And, Absolutely. Um, but I, I think there's a, you know, not the, uh, not the, to share the credit across the board is what it should be about, right? You know, I, I always say this when I'm done coaching. Um, you know, we can look back on how many we won, how many I lost, but it's hard to do it in the moment, right? You know, we're all, we're all worried about Friday's game, right? <laughs> we're all worried about the next one. and We'll add them all up at the end, and hopefully that's, as I say, it's when I'm done coaching, my record's not in the first couple paragraphs. So I hope I did enough for other things than, than winning games. I hope I made a difference in people's lives. I impacted people the right way, and... You know, I gave back to the sport. It's been pretty good to me so far. Yeah, fair enough. Well, you're in year 10 at Penn. <laughs> you've gone 105 and 109. You've won three Ivy League championships. Um, I know you've been asked this before, so I'm not uh, I'm, I'm not going to. It's going to sound like I'm going to ask you the question you usually get, but I won't. But year one, you win two games, and you lose 26. And mm-hmm. you know, over your time yep. at Holy Family, you didn't lose much. And then each year, the, the loss total gets less. You, you lose 17 year mm-hmm. two, 15 year three, 13 year four. And then since then, you haven't lost more than nine games in a season. My question for you, though, is, and I know you talked about the process. You knew when you took over, yep. it was going to be tough, but... There had to be a low point. I'm just curious, what does that low point look like for for you? Is that is that you just sitting in your in your house, just talking to your wife, saying, "Man, we're terrible." Like, what does what does the low point look like for you? Yeah, I, I think you know, I, I kept reminding myself, you know, and I just had, I just had, I don't know, share this. I had a conversation with another new coach that's starting, and he's struggling greatly, and we reflected and he asked me a couple questions about my first year. But to go back to your question, I mean, you know, I was so, so honored. I, I was so excited to be at Penn. If you're, if you're from the Philadelphia area, you get to coach in the big five and you get to spend every day in the palestra. That's pretty cool. Right. And you know, that's all well and good. And, but as you're getting, we're losing and we're losing more and we're losing more, I guess the low point, you know, was just trying to keep our players' morale up, you know, watching them suffer through. I think we went almost a whole to Christmas time before we won a one basketball game. I think my low point was their low point. And that's when I I thought I grew the most as a coach that year. You know, I had a I had to show tremendous resilience. You know, I had to be a great leader. You know, I had to to show them other ways to have level of success outside of the final score. Yeah. And I had to be really creative in how to keep the team going forward. And I say this, Blake, not because you and I are talking, I've said this many, many times, that year was not bad at all. It was a growing It was a growing thing. It was a learning thing for me. I had just come off only 30 games the year prior. And... I kept reminding myself of the things I said. I'm in Philadelphia, I'm big five, I'm in the plastra. Mm-hmm. And they brought me here for a reason. And my reason was to make the program better. And I knew it was going to take time. So I had all them thoughts in my mind all the time. And I had, I only had 11 players. I had three seniors that year, you know, so I had a lot to fight for, for them. And, um, it was it was challenging, but rewarding. And you know, if I reflect back now, ten years, you know, now I'm waiting to graduate. You know, and I stay in touch with all of them. They're 31, 32 years old, and we talk glowingly about that season. Yeah. And now, 
and and uh, I, I I look on that. I look back, and when I actually when I speak to them about it, it comes up. We won one game at home, and we won our last Ivy weekend at Dartmouth. And I remember the scores of both games. I remember what they looked like in the locker room after the games, and uh, we had we were Owens. Oh, in 11 or 12 in the Ivy at that time, it beat Dartmouth. And um, I can still, of all the wins I've had in championships that I was a part of, that win there at Dartmouth in that locker room was probably one of my top five moments. Yeah. You know, it was the seniors' last chance to go on an Ivy League weekend, and we won. So I've been a part, I've been lucky to have been part of quite a few championships, and that is one, that win is in one of the top five that I have. So, awesome. uh, you know, so I, I, that's just how I feel. And someone listening to this might think I'm crazy, but that's just part of, for me, being a process person and understanding things and also being grateful that I was where I wanted to be. Yeah. Well, it ended up paying dividends, right? 2014, <laughs> you make the tournament, um, you lose to Texas by 18. And then two years later, you make the tournament again and you lose to Washington by 12. And then in 17, you make it. And you lose the A and M by two. You guys are like, get right there, right? If we keep following this course of action, you guys make the tournament next, and you're going to win the first round at least. <laughs> so, well, I think if we look back at if we look back at all three of them, um, you know, there was growth. Um, but I, I think the one, the one of the, the, the one of the down difficult times I had at Penn, and one of the hardest losses was the Texas A and M game. You know, we were. We were up 20 late in the third quarter, um, and we didn't find a way to win. You know, Texas A&M, given credit, came back in the fourth quarter and battled us. They did put us on our heels. Um, we obviously got a little tight at the end. We were playing to the scoreboard, not just, you know, and mm-hmm. trying to get time to run out without winning the game. And I think as coaches and players, we've all been there before, and I saw it coming as a coach, and yeah. frankly, I didn't do a good enough job in that situation because we couldn't stop the tide, and, and Texas A&M beat us at the end, and um, that was one of the difficult, you know, as you get to the shining moment, you you, you get to the NCAA tournament three out of four years, and yeah. that's how that season ends. Uh, that's that's a difficult, you know, to watch your seniors go off the floor that way, and uh, I just wish we could have maybe did a couple things differently during that game, so that's you know, that's typical coaching. You know, you want to, you want to be best for your players. Yeah. And you came up a little short on that day. Yeah. Well, uh, you guys obviously can... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Were you going to say something? You're good. No, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm sorry. Okay. I lost you there a second. Oh, no. No worries at all. Uh, well, this year, let's let's go to this year. You guys are 6-2. and two. Uh, you lost at Notre Dame, which, fair enough, we can we can let that one go as a good loss. Uh, and then you lose to Maine by one, and Maine's a top 15 mid-major team. So certainly no bad losses yet. You've, you beat St. Joe's, you beat LaSalle, so that's a nice start for the, for the Philly. Uh, for you guys moving forward, uh, I know you got Drexel on the road on Friday, uh, and then Stetson, and then you've got that weird... Ivy League January, where you've got you got a conference game, you got Nova and Temple. It's just it's a weird kind of setup. Um, yeah. How do you how do you approach the next month or so? I just I I think I asked yeah. Allison at Yale something similar, but it's just so unique of a setup. Yeah, it is. It's it's unique league in, in quite a few ways, but you know we do have a unique scheduling the way they do it. But um, 
just to go back to the beginning, you know, we played a pretty solid schedule, you know. I mean, the, the, the loss of Notre Dame was, you know, we, we played, we battled, you know, we battled a really good team, you know, a team that's obviously the Final Four and the National Championship winner last year. Um, you know, I was really proud of the way we, you know, we handled ourselves, you know. We respected the game, we went out there and competed against the best. Um, so I was proud of the way we did it. You know, the main, the main game was, you know, it was back and forth. You know, we had opportunities. They had opportunities, and you know, they they they, you know, they scored late in the game to beat us. Um, to their credit, um, you know, but you know, we play Friday. We're you know we're at Drexel, but then as you said, then we have an Ivy League where we have one school in our league, which is Princeton, that has their finals at the end of January. Which is problematic for scheduling. <laughs> yeah. So we start we <laughs> we start our league against them. Usually, there's a travel partner everyone has in the Ivy, and ours is Princeton. So we play them separate. Then we do on the back to back weekends, and uh, so we open up with them in, in Ivy play, and then we go out of Ivy play for a while. We're fortunate we play the Big Five schedule. We have to play LaSalle, St. Joe's, going open Temple every year. And we play them in January, which doesn't give us as big a gap as some of our uh, some other schools in our league. Um, so it is challenging. You know, it does give you an opportunity to keep getting better, though. You know, we, we you know, I, I don't know if the players believe that, but when they're practicing so much and not playing, um, it's sometimes that's challenging as well. But it gives you a chance, and um, you know, it's. It's something it is, Blake. It's, it's the way the scheduling is, and we we all just adapt and do what you know what's in our school's best interest. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, I, I want to go back to last year, the Ivy League tournament, which obviously changes the dynamic of of how your league works. Um, and again, if anyone doesn't know this, it used to be whoever won the regular season got the automatic berth. There was no tournament, but now you have a four team tournament, so that's a, a unique setup. You guys beat Harvard in the semis, and then that Princeton game—I just—I know nothing, nothing really went right. Uh, I remember watching that game. Um, yeah. So I hate to bring it up. I'm sorry, but uh, for you guys <laughs> in that, um, you know, in that unique new setting, um, one, just your feelings on the tournament, and then two, just what kind of happened in that last game? Yeah, I'll tell you what. I, I, I was—you know—I think the tournament. I think the tournament is great. I—I I, I really do. Uh, for your viewers, you know, the Ivy up until two years ago, just the regular season won the league. And, you know, there's always down to one or two teams, three teams perhaps. But now everyone's in the mix. You know, I think um, the top four teams make it. We go to one site um, the first two years of the tournament. Last year and the year prior was at the Pleasure in Philadelphia. Um, and, it, you know, it, it, going back to last year, you know, it was a – we had won a really good game on the night prior against Harvard, very close, down the wire game, um, and just came out against Princeton. They just totally outplayed us. You know, we didn't play well. They played very well, to their credit. Um, it was a tough way to end the Ivy. You know, I was hoping that we we could compete and get ourselves an opportunity to win that game, perhaps late, and it didn't happen. You know, and, um, you know, we went on and went in the NIT and won a game the first round against Albany and fell a little short at the, the end against St. John. So overall, really successful season. Um, you know, our seniors were a part of two Ivy League championships. You know, I think that's tremendous. And they came in second two other times and made the postseason all four years. That's pretty incredible Absolutely. for 
for our program. So, um, you know, we accomplished a great deal. There's no doubt. Uh, you you mentioned obviously earlier with the the A and M loss in the tournament, but is there anything that has uh, eluded you in your coaching career that you just you just want to get? Is there any one or two things that you just still haven't achieved yet? You know what? I'm not one like I'm not one that sets out that I, I want to do this, and mm-hmm. I and I can't wait to do that. Okay. You know, obviously, um, you know I I'm all about like you know I would love to see the team compete every year to be in a position to win. You know, I talk about that with our players all the time. Just get, put yourself in a position. Mm-hmm. You know, we all want to have we all want to start the season, we all want to win championships, and we skip the process, right? We talk about what the beginning looks like and what it wants to look like at the end. I'm more of one in the middle and want to enjoy the process of doing this every day with the hope and the work ethic and everything that you're in position to win at the end. Mm -hmm. I would like to see us continue to stay in position to win. You know, I would love for, for us if we can go back you know, to win a tournament game. I think that would be a tremendous accomplishment for our, our program. I mean, in the league, you know, it just has not been done, men or women, very much in the Ivy League. Yeah. You know, I would like to see things. If I had a wish or that's something I would like to see, I would like to, to see Penn win a game in a tournament, yeah. right? So yeah. there is things that I would like to see for their experience and for our program. But like I said, I'm not one that has to do this or has to do that. Yeah. You know, I, I just I'm not I'm not wired that way. I would I'm not, I, I would just like to do it consistently well yeah. every day. I get a chance to do this. Yeah, fair enough. What is um, what is your for Penn? What what's the selling point in contrast? Because I know a lot of the Ivies, you guys all compete with similar kids because obviously your pool of recruits are smaller, right? Because they have to be able to get into your school. Uh, yes. And, and it's not like you can really negatively, uh, you know, dump on anyone like, oh, Harvard academics, get out of here. What's good about that, right? So you guys are all pretty equal. So what's the, uh, what's the, what's the pitch? What, why Penn? Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think, <clears throat> first of all, Penn, you know, if you just, if you look at it basketball-wise, you know, we're in uh, Penn. Athletics is really important to Penn, and as I said, our facilities. We're fortunate. We have a practice facility. We have a world class weight room. You know, our city overlooks the, our campus. Overlooks the city. And, you know, we have a lot of advantages in terms of facility wise. We have a full time nutritionist and a sports psychologist and a strength and conditioning coach, and so so we're we're set up athletically that they can see that. They can see the importance of it. Um, you know, we're competing against seven other schools many times, and, and they all have great opportunities for, for what they're offering, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, it's an unbelievable urban campus. It is world-class education like the other schools. We have the number one business school in the world in Wharton. So we, you know, we have a lot of things at our disposal. We have one of the top engineering programs in the country top nursing program in the country. You know, um, I think where where I can benefit recruiting-wise, my son just graduated from Penn last year, you know, and, and so as a father, I can talk now not only as a coach, so I can educate recruits and not sell recruits. You know, I've seen my son as a 17-and-a-half-year-old walk into Penn, and I saw him walk out four years later, and I can see what the education environment, the types of 
people he's around and watch him grow as a person. Anything we want as a father, I saw happen, you know, in a positive light. So not only do I can talk as my experience and what my former players are doing, I can talk the reality of what my son did and what he is going to do with the pen education. You know, so it gets personal there, and yeah. I think it's really important. And uh, so all of them things, I think, is what what's attractive. Penn is an extremely attractive place. And, 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 you know, and where we all collaborate as a league is we have the best league in the world academically and athletically. You know, and anytime we have a, a kid that says, you know, Coach, I'm not going to go to Penn, but I'm going to go, I go wherever other school I had nothing but respect for them, you know, because they're going to some of the top schools in the world, you know. So I firmly believe that um, as I try to educate them on how powerful Penn would be if you were able to graduate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What um, With your coaching staff, um, it, it's pretty cool. I'm always... It always interests me when I see someone that has, you know, people that they've been with for a long time or have a long history with. Yep. Um, what makes what makes Kelly and, and Bernadette so special? How how has that, you know, bond been able to propel you guys yeah, to success? Yeah, I think, you know, I think we, t- we talked earlier in this piece about relationships, right? We're in a relationship business, yeah. you know, with players and we're in a relationship business with coaches, you know, and I think we're in a world that, you know, we're recruiting kids nationally and, you know, these kids are coming all the way across the country and they want consistency on coaching staffs. You know, they want the trust. They want to have honesty. They want to have that integrity. And I can share with them, I've coached these players. You know, Bernard has been with me and been my assistant for 17 years. You know, I, so when, when their daughter comes to Penn, you know, the stability is here. You know, they're both very good in what they do. You know, they're both Bernard as a mother of two. You know, so she she has a lot on her plate, and she's totally invested. You know, in Penn athletics, Penn basketball, her her team. You know, it's not just my team; it's her team, it's our team. And and Kelly is just young and energetic and vibrant, and she she's very outgoing. You know, so there's so there's she's another one I coached for four years that I she's a competitor, right? She has all the intangibles to be a head coach one day. Um, Plus, it's, it's, it's me. As I said earlier, the sport's been good to me, and it's my opportunity to give back. And these are these are players that had success with me, that did the right thing for me as a coach, and now they want to get into the business, and they want to do good at it, and they want to be, you know, aspirations of, of moving up, you know, to be a head coach. You know, I'm, I want to empower them and give them an opportunity to, to make that happen. And so to me, it's about a trust, loyalty and relationships for me with my coaching staff. Well, with you guys, this, I'll get you out of here on this one. Um, Six and two, again, you guys have been pretty, pretty darn steady defensively, but as you move forward, you know, obviously everyone talks about having to peak late. What do you guys need to approve upon? What do you guys need to do uh, for you to be there at the end? And like you said, kind of have an opportunity to compete for the championship again. Yeah, it's a bit, I think we have to score the ball better. You know, I think we defend, we play hard. We have a pretty, we have a good, solid, fundamental system defensively, and we're solid. We really are. We, we compete. We do rebound the ball. Um, you know, if you know, man, when we play in man, we're 
we're, we're much better than we were earlier in the year. I think defensively we'll continue to be solid, but we're going to have to score the ball better. You know, we, we, we our transition at times becomes. Um, you know, we look at five defenders way too many times, let's put it that way. You know, and that's one thing I keep saying. <laughs> let's not play against a set defense so much. Yeah. And um, so I think if we've been really working on that over this little break we've had, I think if we can score the ball better, um, you know, I think it will give us a better chance. If not, you know, it's, you know, I, I think we're, we're going to, Play like I said, play against set defense too many, and and I think our our efficiency, our shooting percentage will be lower. So I'm anxious to see how we grow from there, but I think that will be the big tell. We score the ball better. Um, I think that, you know we can have success this year going forward. Well, it'll be an interesting Ivy League season for sure. Uh, certainly, everyone's kind of come up, so it's it's not a it's not a gimme league by any stretch of the imagination. No way, no so. way. It's a great great league. With, uh, I say this great league with great coaches. You know, um, it's a it's a special league, and um, it's it's athletically very good league, and uh, you know I'm proud to be a part of it. Well, I really appreciate the time again, Coach. Again, Penn plays on Friday, then they they get going, and and you know after the break and start that that Ivy League schedule. But Coach, uh, best of luck to you guys as you you fight for that championship. I'm gonna look forward to to watching you guys play throughout the year, and and greatly appreciate your time. That's awesome. Thank you, Blake, for having me. Have a great holiday and uh, keep up the great work. Thanks again to Penn head coach Mike McLaughlin for joining me and taking some time. Pretty cool backstory. And uh, Penn, just one of the best teams in that Ivy League and, and amongst the mid-majors, yeah, really in the entire country, and certainly expect them to be competing for another championship this year. Thank you for listening, whether you listen on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, or wherever else. If you do listen on iTunes and can leave a rating or review, I would be greatly appreciative of that. You can find me on Twitter always at Blake Dudonis. And thank you again for listening, always. Until next time, this is The Jump Around.